The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Yellow Submarine, all aboard? Forget that it's on the same album. I love that this is the B-side to Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> yeah. Complete total shift. They had the nerve to write songs with one or two chords, and now they have the chutzpah to write new nursery rhymes. There are some people who don't like this song, and I think those people are soulless ghouls. Uh, IMHO. Well, um, it's been nice co-hosting this podcast with you, Roger. So, it has. Uh, I think uh, I, as a soulless ghoul, I think I'm going to have to take oh, my no. leave. <laughs> oh, no. Look, I, I can totally appreciate the we're all higher than a kite writing a silly song <laughs> thing. But, uh, you know, and I can also appreciate that it's a campfire classic and a kid's song. I have a two-year-old. This is probably the mm-hmm. Beatles song I've heard the most since she's been born. Honestly. Like, yeah, literally, the other, literally, the it's on a playlist that we play for her. And, like, we changed, like, it's like a picture book of, like, things in the ocean. And, like, we changed the lyrics to Yellow Submarine to, like, be that. Like, Look, I appreciate this song, but I, you know, I don't, do I want to listen? Again, do I want to listen to it? Probably not. So I guess I'm just a soulless ghoul. But I will give them credit. Gotta give them credit. It's so funny that this is the other side of Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> yeah. It's a double A side. That is expert level trolling and just like level setting, like the serious and non-serious parts of this band all into well, one. Well, okay. Would it help? If you knew that some listeners viewed the song as a code for drugs, particularly the barbiturate Nambutal, which was sold in yellow capsules, would that help? <laughs> what do you? Do, because it makes it more adult. You know, no, the, the, I don't the, have, look, I don't have a problem with kids songs. Like, I think that this, like, there's this, I have no problem with kids songs. I think, uh, what is it, uh, song I, the, if you looked at my Spotify wrapped playlist, the most played song over the past couple of years is literally Mr. Rabbit, which is a Burl Ives song. And I think it's awesome, but covered by Paul Westerberg. Um, but yeah, I look, it's like, it's, it's a, it is a counterculture thing. And I said, they're high as they're high as hell writing a, like, trying to write a kid song. Like that's, that is cool. But again, yeah. I don't know if I want to listen to it. Well, let me let me let's move on. Yeah, it re- this song received various social and political interpretations in the 1960s. Although music journalist Peter Dog had described it as a culturally empty song that nevertheless became a kind of Rorschach test for radical minds, the chorus was appropriated by students, sports fans, and striking workers in their own chants. Doggett cites student protests at Berkeley in late 1966, where demonstrators taunted university authorities and protested against the Vietnam War using endless courses of Yellow Submarine at the close of each event to state their ongoing determination and emphasize the ideological division. <laughs> Can you imagine? We all live in a Yellow Submarine! Oh my god, they're serious! <laughs> what do we want? Yellow! Yellow! 
Where do we want it? A, a submarine! submarine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. The 60s, man. Different time. Paul uh, came up with the idea. He was lying in bed one night in the moment right before you're falling asleep. He came up with the line, we all live in a yellow submarine. It was a collaboration, though, with John and Paul, one of the few uh, during, the, during this era of the Beatles. Uh, John had a separate song that kind of sounded like Paul's chorus. So they, match, they mashed them up. Um, Paul commented in 1966, it's a happy place. That's all. We were trying to write a children's song. That was the basic idea. Their working manuscript for the lyrics shows a verse crossed out and an accompanying note from John Lennon reading, Disgusting, see me. The 2022 deluxe ratio revolver contained John Lennon's original demo of the song, a nostalgic, despondent look at his childhood. The lyrics went in the place where I was born, no one cared, no one cared, and the name when I was born, no one cared, no one cared, and the town where I was born, no one cared, no one cared. We so, all live in... <laughs> in a depressing submarine. Well, I mean, da, 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 da. a lot of children's songs are very depressing. Like That's right. Like, That's um, right. Very Ring Around the Rosie, Pocket Full mm-hmm. of Posies, Ashes, Ashes, We All Fall Down. Hmm. Rockabye Baby, the Cradle yes. Falls. Yes, the Cradle Falls at the end. R.I.P., Little One. Uh, Donovan came up with the line Sky of blue and sea of green In our yellow submarine He's this back probably the, Yes, Donovan's back It was just probably the same session When uh, Paul had the original lyrics Still in a rugby And Donovan's like, okay <laughs> You, move, my friend, are a man of extremes mm, this, Don't put this on the same single <laughs> That would be weird And I'm Donovan the sound effects, which made Yellow Submarine so memorable, were overdubbed on June 1st, 1966, exactly one year before Sgt. Pepper was released. The group raided EMI's trap room, a small area a little more than a cupboard, which has whistles, bells, chains, and a huge number of other sources for sound effects. Everybody in the studio was encouraged to join in on a recording. A bath filled with water had chains dragged around inside it. The Rolling Stones' Brian Jones cleaned glasses. John Lennon filled a bucket with water and blew bubbles into it and contributed some memorable vocals to the final verse. The door to the echo chamber behind Studio 2 was open, so he went and sat there singing all that full speed ahead Mr. Captain stuff at the top of his voice, according to Jeff Emmerich. In the final verse, Lennon Echo starred as lead vocal, delivering the lines in a manner that musicologist Walter Everett terms manic. Um, one of the memorable moments was the Beatles' assistant... Mal Evans, marching around the studio with a bass drum trapped, strapped to his chest, leading the band, plus George Martin, Neil Aspinall, Marianne Faithful, Patty Harrison, and others, into the raucous choruses. <laughs> if this were the music man, the musical, he would have an anvil. Yes, he would. Mal is a large man. That is a very funny image. I forgot to mention that John at one point tried to... Uh, he wanted to sound like he was singing underwater... So they tried recording the part with a microphone encased in a condom, submerged inside a bottle filled with water, but it was ineffective. I forgot that part. Practice so. uh, safe microphone techniques, everyone. And we've talked about microphones and condoms already on this podcast. 
We have. Yes. Not I think I, I was referring to the story. I didn't... But, uh, yeah. And you mentioned uh, Loudon Wainwright? I did. Yeah. About <laughs> the, the shower. The shower and the micro... Once you put the condom on, the microphone drooped down. And he said, I knew that would happen. That's what he said, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listen. Yes. Uh, the song originally opened with a 30-second section containing narration by Ringo and dialogue by George, Paul, and John, supported by the sound of marching feet, but they got rid of that. Um, so, yeah, um, John originally responded, did a call response with Ringo in the final verse, but the first two lines, not for the first two lines of the final version, because Phil McDonald... <laughs> The uh, the guy who was in charge that night of recording, he uh, he accidentally deleted the tape operator. He deleted it. Whoops. Uh, John was pretty upset about that. But yeah. what are you going to do? Jeff Emmerich revealed that all the Beatles were smoking the wacky tobacco throughout the session without George Barton knowing. No. No way. Yeah. Ray okay. Davies of the Kings said of this song, this is a load of rubbish, really. I take the mickey out of myself on the piano and play stuff like this. I think they know it's not that good. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing more Ray Davies takes about Revolver. Well, you're going to hear him. He has takes on all 14 tracks. I'm, I'm excited. Love counts, zero. None. Nope. I nope. think we did do a love count for Elder Rigby. That was also zero, by the way. In case you were wondering. Um, Josie Scale, gonna give this one a yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna give this one a Josie. <laughs> oh boy. As a soulless ghoul. Look, I as I said, I've I've probably listened to this Beatles song more than any other Beatles song in of recent times. Right. But like and I appreciate that I can I can put on a Beatles song for my daughter. Um, that she'll, you know, probably understand more than like I don't know, Eleanor Rigby, but uh, yeah, I not it's not like I want to listen to it. So for that reason, it's a Josie for me. Okay, nobody give Andrew the the single for for, for his yeah. birthday. Yes, please no. Terrible gift. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.